Welcome to the Open House Podcast with James Tatum. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym. Everything from training methods, technique, massage, and other odd topics that come up. Today is one of the uh, the other odd topics, so we uh, we brought up a uh, we brought on a guest today. So welcome to the podcast, Halima Barucha. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We still have uh, we still got Tyree and George here as well. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Um, I, I don't have my bang today. I, I had it a few hours ago, so I'm sorry that I couldn't open it up on the podcast today, guys. Mm. I don't know what we're going to do without that sound effect. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I don't know. I think I might have a Diet Coke in the refrigerator. Maybe we can just go and open it and just not drink it. Um, <laughs> but that's just not the same. Um, hey, this is a win. Tyree's drinking a beverage that's mainly water today. Right? Look at that. Yeah. Can be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, out here in South Carolina, is uh, it's it's starting to get really hot. Uh, and I took the kids to uh, Carowinds the other day, and they've got on this loudspeaker, like with the heat index, make sure you drink lots of water. Like, so they're already announcing that, and it's not even summer here. Um, so it's coming. The gym's hot. Things are getting crazy. That sounds uh, amazing. Hot gyms are amazing. I love it. It's hot here in West Virginia, and I, it's been hot for two days in the gym. Like it's not, it's not Carolina hot, but the gym has been really hot, and I love it. And then everybody wants to turn the I just want on. This, the, the sunshine that you guys have. You know, it's always cloudy and gloomy over here. Seattle. Yeah, we, we don't get that much sunshine either. That, that light behind me is really deceiving. It's raining like 98% of the time I'm here. Well, nobody can see that, but uh, Tyree just has a window behind him. Um, how about you, Halima? How's the, what's California like? It's getting pretty hot. Um, soon we're going to head into wildfire season, so it's going to get pretty bad. Um, the gyms definitely get sweaty, and um, hopefully everyone wears their deodorant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, guys, let's use this heat, though. Like, let's, let's use it. I told the guys the other day when they wanted to turn the fan on, if you want the fan on, I do not want you to be the person – running around after your weigh-in because you're too heavy let's 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 sweat let's get this going so we don't have to wait till the minute before weigh-ins like oh man i'm three ounces over yeah we, we should have thought about that when it was hot and you were running from the heat let's it's use your it. own sauna mm-hmm. oh yeah i love it i still have a hoodie in my trunk for every time it's not hot enough and i need to squat a squat hoodie is it just makes everything a little easier <laughs> that's commitment yeah. I think there is something to like being used to being in uncomfortable like heat. Uh, so when we would go down to like um, like Pan Am's or something, and it would be in like Central or South America, the heat just hits different, and it's just like you almost you got to be ready for it because you're competing and you're training, and they don't have air conditioning there. It's you know I think one time it's just in this like. A breezeway is pretty much where you warm up and then you go out onto this like open air stage. Um, so in a way, you got to be ready for that heat. Wow. It's easier to I mean, make weight down there, though. It helps you zone in. Like I, I really whenever I'm really hot, I think it's easier just to zone in on weightlifting. You're not worried about everything else. There's no breeze. It's just, oh, it's hot. Cool. Let's suffer. And then you just lower your head and go. <laughs> I like it so much. Yeah. Better. Just embracing the situation. I can see that. 
Makes warming up quicker too. You don't have to warm up as long. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. So, uh, so Halima, what uh, what gym do you train out of? I go to CrossFit One World. Um, it's located in the Bay Area, and it's it's just really wonderful gym space that I found. Um, very community oriented. Um, people bring their dogs. People bring their kids. Um, everyone's there to have a good time. So it's really fun. Nice. Did you start with CrossFit or and then? Um, I started with yep. CrossFit when I was in high school. Um, there was this class called Extreme PE, and all the kids ran away from it, and I ran to it. I don't know why. And the teacher was a CrossFit athlete. So basically, the whole class was CrossFit, and she would always encourage me to lift heavier and put me with the guys and say, like, I know you can do more. And no one really encouraged me to, like, lift more like that. And so that was really cool, and that was kind of my entry point into weightlifting and seeing that there's a lot more that I can do. Um, I, I used to go to this gym called Total Women's Gym with my mom after I finished my classes at high school. And it was like this women's gym that was meant to be like an empowering space, but the heaviest weights they had were 60 pounds. So whenever I would go touch that 60 pound weight, like the trainers would always come to me like, oh my God, you need to be careful. You could get hurt mm-hmm. or too little. Um, and I was a pretty strong person. I was doing track and field. I, w- I was pretty active. So I was always confused about why I can't touch the 60 pounds and why they even, you know, didn't have more weight to begin with. So I started looking for CrossFit gyms to go to. And I remember the first day that I went to a CrossFit gym, I squatted like over 100 pounds, like right off the bat. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> my body can do a lot. But I would never have known, you know, if I didn't step foot into a CrossFit gym or I didn't have someone encourage me and tell me like you can do more. Um, and that made me realize like a lot of people, especially women and girls, um, you know, because of the messages that we're told about, you know, don't lift too much. You're going to look like a man. You're going to get hurt. You can't do it. You know, people don't even try. And when you go to CrossFit gyms and you go to like Olympic weightlifting spaces, it's not true. <laughs> you know, you can see how much our bodies can do. And some people will just never be able to tap into that because of the way that we're socialized. So that was really interesting to me. Yeah, that's cool that you had a uh, a high school coach doing that. Because yeah. I think that's the like the biggest thing. Because I remember my high school teachers and... We didn't do snatches and cleaning jerks in high school. They had their they had their generic, you know, weightlifting thing going on. But, you know, not even getting into like how they pretty much would discourage women, just their general uh their general uh program was pretty uh, uh pretty sorry, you know. You know, bench press with the feet kicking in the air. Um and really, I, I think I remember when I was in high school, and I'm at, I lived out in the country, and I think there was only one girl that was like a high school girl that would come and train with us occasionally, and uh, then it wasn't until like my actual first powerlifting coach came in, and he brought his wife, who she also trained, that like she kind of set the example, like, oh yeah, you can you know have a girl in the gym and lift heavy, but like the high school coaches were completely opposite you know like they were uh they discouraged it i don't know um, yeah that was back in 2007 i'm sure things have started to drastically change since then i hope so but, <laughs> yeah um 
So it's, yeah, I was gonna say at, at my school, um, truthfully, if you weren't on the football team, you didn't really get to use the weight room. Mm. Same. That's how it was at my school. It was, yeah, if you didn't play football, you weren't coming in the weight room at all. Wow. But I mean, that was again, that was like James, like that was, God, like ten, eleven years ago. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that would be- sucks because I, I think weightlifting is such an important part of our development. Um, especially at the younger age and getting used to lifting weights. And it really sucks that so many schools, like, first don't even have the resources to have, like, proper weightlifting rooms. And then when they do, it's, like, very limited access and very, like, hush-hush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, my first powerlifting coach, he actually donated. He used to own a gym in Indiana. And he actually donated all of the equipment to the high school and coached there for free. So that people could actually train, which is crazy because otherwise they didn't, you know, it's just a terrible space uh, with a few rusty dumbbells or something, Um, which, you know, you could still get strong with rusty dumbbells, (laughs) but uh, I'll say, yeah, oh, I didn't even think about Iraq. Yeah, you probably had that Uh, being in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we're in our I definitely have a lot of women teams. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm at a high school and the in West Virginia teams, yeah in West Virginia the female teams are the most consistent the teams that I see the most I mean of course you see football that that's you're gonna see football all the time basketball will show up during season and then as soon as their season's over you don't see them for a while but the girls basketball team is the day their season ended I had four of the girls walk in and ask like when can we get back on the schedule um volleyball is the most consistent team I've had out of the track team, majority of the people on the track team that are coming in are the female athletes. It's, yeah, I, I'm now thinking about majority of the people in the weight room for me are female. Yeah, I mean, now if you look at like the USA weightlifting membership, 48% of all the USA weightlifting athletes are women. So it is a really exciting time to see more women um, in this sport, in weightlifting, um, and to see more, more like role models and examples, right? And it's just, it's very cool, I think, to to have this many women um, in the sport. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I was actually thinking that it was oh, more women in weightlifting. I thought it was fifty one, but maybe I, I'm sure that's a constantly changing statistic. Yeah, I did too. I expected more women. It seems yeah. you go to a local meet and if you go to finals. It seems like there are a lot of women there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely becoming. Um, more and more socially acceptable um, for women to be in the gym and to train hard and to lift heavy. Um, so that's, I mean, that's uh, a pretty good segue. So that's pretty much what you've been working with, with USAW, that and probably a little bit more of, uh, well, I'll let you explain it. You uh, you want to talk about the campaign that you're kind of doing with uh, USAW? Yeah, absolutely. So we did a speaker Um, athlete speaker series recently and um, basically talking about you know sexual harassment and gender bias that um, women and gender non-conforming people encounter within um, sports spaces and while a lot of progress has been made you know as we discussed there's still a lot of work that needs to happen and a lot of people still experience you know unsafe fitness environments which is really sad and devastating because I know for me personally and I'm sure for a lot of people um fitness and like the sports spaces are really a space for us to like de-stress unwind relax you know release all the stress that we're holding 
Um, but for a lot of women and gender non-conforming people, um, there are also experiences of daily harassment. So there was a study that FitRated did in 2019, and they found that um, 71% of women were harassed at the gym on a daily basis. And I know this is probably more common in like, you know, your 24 fitness and kind of the more traditional environments and probably hopefully less in like CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting spaces, but it has resulted in a lot of issues like people having to change their their uh, gym schedule, um, people not feeling safe um, in these spaces, people being recorded without their consent. Um, and so we really want to do something about this. And especially given the high number of women in USA weightlifting, um, we were thinking like, what can we do to address this issue? So we did an athlete speaker series and we kind of unpacked some of these things and talked about like, what can gyms do to address these issues? And one of the things that came out of that was this idea to have like a poster series that can be shared in all the gym spaces as kind of a starting point to like initiate the conversation and to help put out more positive messages and make sure that people feel welcome like right when they step into a space and they know that there is like um, an interest from the gym to really protect them and create that kind of uh, community. And it's been really amazing to see like gyms all over the country, like get these posters. Um, the slogans on the posters were actually created um, with some input from the participants. So at the end of the uh, speaker series, I asked people like, what messages would you like to see instead, you know, of what you heard growing up? And so a lot of what you see on the posters is what they came up with. Um, and so it's just been really cool to see that and like to see gyms kind of post that and say like, you know, one person had messaged me and said, um, I posted this poster like on my gym window and someone was walking by and she saw the poster and like felt herself reflected in the representation of the poster and like actually came in and we had a conversation and um, she just felt really happy to see that. And so it was really cool to hear those kinds of stories and the kind of impact um, a simple poster can have. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I actually first found you is that uh, so I had a uh, had a package on my uh, doorstep from uh, from USA weightlifting and they never send me anything um, so this this is probably the first thing that I've ever received from them um, so you get an idea from the gym owner's perspective um, but so I saw in your social media you have like quite a few you have like four or five different designs yeah did you just send them out kind of randomly because i've i got two of them and then i saw the rest of them kind of on your social media yeah there's five designs um susie at usa weightlifting is the one that kind of sent everything out so um she's the one who was like taking the initiative and i i'm really grateful for her because i know she championed and like really advocated for usa weightlifting to bring this up in conversation and all the posters are posted on bars, so anyone can, you know, if you didn't get a poster, you want to get all of them, um, you can definitely print them out or download the digital copies of them. Um, and it was really just created, like, right after the session, I sat down, like, I feel like there's something more that we can do outside of the session, because not everyone was able to come. And I just felt really inspired by all the positive messages that people were sharing in that, in that space and the kind of things they wanted to see in their gym. So that's kind of how it came about. Nice. So I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you my first, uh, my first, uh, my first impression. So I've, I got the silence is not consent poster and then the uplift each other on and off the platform. Mm -hmm. 
So the the first one, silence is not consent. You know that that's pretty straightforward and it makes sense. And then I saw the uh, the respect me or expect consequences, which is the the girl holding the poster. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was that it was um, like that's a pretty uh, what's the what's what's the word I'm looking for? That's like a uh, that's like a strong statement. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to like evoke um, like a response from someone. Was that any of your intent at all to like get a response to like almost a little bit of shock value to maybe start that conversation? Well, it was really to set like some clear and like firm boundaries because some people, um, you know, even in, when in these conversations don't understand that like unwanted and prolonged staring is a form of sexual harassment and it makes people really uncomfortable or, you know, videotaping or f- photographing someone without their consent or, you know, making comments about someone's body. Um, those are all really harmful to people, especially when, like, if you can only imagine, like, someone going to the gym and that's not, like, a once-in-a-while thing, that's, like, an everyday thing, and, like, a lot of people are doing that, it can become really almost scary to go to the gym and intimidating, especially if you don't know, like, what you're doing or if you're a new athlete. So it was really just to set the expectation that, like, we really are not here to tolerate this kind of behavior and we're serious about putting our foot down because so many times, like, gyms let this slide or people say like oh it could have been worse or it was just staring and that really has an impact on an athlete and you know with olympic weightlifting it's it's pretty serious like if someone walks in front of you it kind of ruins your whole lift so the kind of focus that we need to really do well in the sport requires that total you know peace of mind and i think when you know someone's following you or they're just staring at you it's not going to give you that at all. And I can only imagine like how badly that would ruin a lift. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So one of your other posters was, um, you know what? I took a screenshot of it and I cut off the top of it. So I don't know. I don't remember exactly what the, uh, the title of it was, but it literally has a list of like you said, uh, prohibited behaviors include, and, and it's just kind of the same things that you said, you know, videotaping, um, uh, unwanted staring, sexualization, and objectification of people's bodies. So that one was probably my favorite, actually, um, because, well, one thing: some people are just um, uh, like ignorant. Uh, they see people videotaping people on Instagram, and then they post other people on Instagram. You see that more on like um, like the twenty-four hour fitness, like yeah, like gym fails type thing. Um, and some people, I, they just get into that mode and they just think that's okay when really, you know, they just need to be reminded like, hey, no, this is not okay. And I think mm-hmm. that makes a big difference. So that was like my favorite one where it was just like, you know, these are acceptable, you know, behaviors and these are not. And um, the the only thing is, is that uh, the girl is doing a sumo deadlift. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's really a lot different. of graphics with olympic weightlifting so if there's any artists who are listening it would be great to have more clip art um unfortunately i don't have that skill or talent to create my own clip art so it would be great to have that but the full poster says we do not tolerate sexual harassment and exactly to your point some people simply don't know and um you know not everyone is taught information about this growing up or you know even as adults so i i just thought you know let's just do a clear-cut list of what are things that are off the table? Um, and so that's how we put that list together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a solid list. And, you know, on the other side of the things, some people do know, and some people are just mean. 
mm-hmm. and then having a list of things there kind of lets them know like that it's not a maybe they don't have a free pass to be mean. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like working um, it out because even when USA Weightlifting posted the posters on their Instagram to like say we're sending these out, like people were leaving mean comments and they had to disable the comment section. And prior to that, when we talked about the speaker athlete series and some of the statistics of sexual harassment in gyms, there were people from the Olympic weightlifting community who were really upset and said it was not true and just a whole bunch of mean stuff. And it, it was really frustrating to see that because these are coaches, these are people in our weightlifting community. And I just feel really scared about, you know, the kind of interactions they might be having with other athletes. Yeah. So I will say like, I like that one. Um, the weightlifting does not discriminate. You know, I actually wish that USA, I wish that people wouldn't disable comments because I think sometimes, you know, especially on a USA weightlifting, I don't know. I didn't see those comments, so I don't know exactly. But sometimes just like letting people see that is valuable in itself. Um, but in one way, so like the, the silence is not consent. Um, well, they're, uh, they're kind of come across strong. And I thought maybe you were kind of looking for that reaction um, with that poster, which is all right. Like, I'm not trying to like, um, don't take this as me, you know, coming across as like that not being a good thing. Cause sometimes, you know, like an extreme situation will, um, you know, we'll start a conversation. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym. And when your poster came in, there was a conversation that kind of came up in the gym and, uh, the like respect me or expect consequences is like a very aggressive way of saying something. And it, uh, in, in a way that would be a good thing because it's a conversation starter. Um, so wow. in a way, like that's what I imagined. Um, that's pretty cool. I think it also depends on like, it went all over the country. I'm in California. I'm in the Bay. We're, we're having different conversations than someone in South Carolina or Virginia. And so, um, I didn't even know like, you know, how everyone would take it. And it's really cool to hear, you know, the different reactions to the posters and, how it could spark a conversation or it might be something that like someone's like, whoa, I've never, you know, heard someone say it that way or, or read this kind of thing that's, you know, in your face. Um, so I think that, you know, the geography does matter and like where it lands will definitely have different impacts. That's really cool to hear that. Yeah. So it, it was kind of neat. Um, so that, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause that's going to be a different, uh, you know, the South and, uh, and California and then even New York. You know, it's just completely different. Um, but in a way, I actually kind of thought that that was one of the intents was to kind of spark a like kind of a shock value. Because I don't know, like um, if you think of like the uh, what's the uh, oh, Southern hospitality, um, that type of conversation, like where people are like they're extra nice and it's kind of that Southern hospitality thing and they, they say things nicely. But if they wanted to spark a conversation, they would say it like that. You know, oh. it's like the whole like, oh, bless your heart type thing. I don't know if anyone's ever heard that. Like Southern hospitality thing. That's like a way of nicely saying like, oh, you know, poor you. You don't understand like what's going on. Mm. Um, saying respect me or expect consequences kind of comes across like that in a way in the South. I see. Um, and I thought that was the intent. But it's neat to see, you know, the difference in the different, you know, geographies, like you were saying. 
Um, and I thought like, so that might explain why so many people kind of, you know, went on the defensive um, mm. on those comment sections, um, which, you know, again, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because yeah. again, you started a conversation, you know, people post stuff on social media all the time. Mm-hmm. And if they're posting something, sometimes it makes it just sit and, you know, they'll think about it for a little bit longer. So, uh, just that's curious, what I was thinking there. I this, um, just going back to the beginning of it, who initiated the conversation about putting this out? Was it you or did USAW come to you about it? Um, I think it might have been a little bit of both. It was a while back, so I don't remember. But in terms of the posters, I was the one that suggested, you know, putting these out as like a starting point. I wanted to do a lot more. And I think, you know, hopefully in the future, there can be more collaborations because, you know, putting up a poster is nice and it does start a conversation and raise awareness. But it's, you know, some places need a lot more work than that, right? They might need coaches to have training on how to behave appropriately or just, you know, how to not perpetuate like gender bias in spaces. Um, There might need to be some training on like, if you see sexual harassment happening, like what do you actually do about it and call it out then and there, Um, you know, preventative measures, like maybe some places need cameras or, you know, signs that say you're being watched. You can't just go touch someone or, you know, record someone secretly. Um, So those are things that in the future, you know, policy changes that need to happen, um, no tolerance policies as well, because there are some places where, you know, consistently we know there is a person that's like doing some shady stuff, but like they still keep coming into the gym. So those are kind of things that in the future I would love to work on to make sure there's like a lot more, um, you know, policies in place. And also even thinking about consent, like as a coach, if you're touching an athlete, like, are you asking the athlete, you know, can I touch you here? Is this okay with you? Or are you just like going for it? And I think that those things make a huge difference and like actively, you know, asking that because one day I might be comfortable and the next day I might not. Um, I know for myself, like uh, a few months ago, I was assaulted, like someone came and just punched me out of nowhere. And, um, you know, after that, like for the next few days, I was really like kind of jumpy and I didn't want anyone touching me or like coming too close to me or like sometimes someone comes behind you and decides they're going to, you know, spot your squat or whatever and um you know that could kind of freak someone out so you just never know like people's personal experience or their like wishes so it's always good to just ask and make sure like we create a culture where you know saying things like can i spot you can i squat behind you is it okay if i touch your back to adjust your form like those kinds of things are really helpful and making sure that if if someone says no it's okay right it's not like a big deal but those are things that we don't you know really have in place on a large scale like gyms probably do that like on a one-off basis but it does need to be more of a consistent thing so hopefully in the future we can have like more collaborations to do that kind of work yeah so that's like one of the things like for a gym owner and then you get that bad apple in there that's like something the gym owner just has to like almost learn the hard way yeah they have to learn like no it's not worth having a bad apple in there and then when they finally like fire that client and they're like, oh, that was so much better. And it's it's hard to know, especially for like new gym owners, to know when that time comes that, nope, this is like, this gym will be better off without this person. And yeah. that's like a, you know, they've got safe sport and stuff, and they kind of cover a lot of the other issues that you were talking about. But no one really covers um, the issues, like the lessons that you just learn 
from, you know, running a gym. Yeah. And I don't know, it might be different because I own the gym. I don't know if it's different as a coach, but you know, sometimes it's just, you know, when it's time to go, it's uh, it, make that decision and trust your gut. Cause you know, your life will probably be easier once you uh, let go of that problem, uh, that problem uh, client. But uh, yeah, so that's crazy. You uh, just somebody came up and punched you. That's that sucks. Sorry that happened. Yeah, and like it's it sucks because no one did anything, and that wasn't even in the gym. But you know, I've had experiences. You know, before I went to CrossFit gyms, I was like Golds or Twenty Four Fitness, or you know, when I'm traveling and I just need a place to get a workout in. Like I've had people follow me around. I've had people ask me out. Um, I've had people say like, oh, wow, like you're lifting so much or, you know, especially in 24 fitness, there's really not a lot of women in the weightlifting sections. They all kind of look at you weird. Like, who are you? You kind of have to prove yourself that like, you know what you're doing. And like, I only feel comfortable going because I've been lifting for so long. So I very clearly know my technique and what I'm doing. But if I didn't know, I would probably be like too intimidated to go into those spaces. So, you know, those are really just terrible experiences. And I, I have friends who like, you know, they go to 24 Fitness to get their accessories done because it's, like, more flexible hours. And then they go to CrossFit Gym for their Olympic lifting. And they've had people, like, straight up yell at them, um, you know, take up space or try to, like, bully them off machines because they want to use it. And they don't think, like, a woman deserves to be on the machine for that long. Or, you know, just really, like, being followed to your car by someone. And they have tried to report it to staff. And staff don't take it seriously. Or they're just like, oh, we can't do anything about it. So, it is important to also create like that culture where if this happening, like as a coach or like as a business owner, you may not know what's happening all the time, right? That's, that's just the reality of it. But like creating a space where if it does happen, like people can feel comfortable to come up to you and say like, this thing is happening in, in your gym, right? And to know that like, no one's going to say, well, I don't believe you or are you sure? Or, you know, things that just make someone doubt themselves. Um, but instead to take that seriously and say, you know, I'm going to look into that and take some actions, you know, to address this issue. Um, so that's also really important just to create that kind of space where people feel comfortable to actually say this is happening because it can be really scary. And I think for like Olympic weightlifting, our gyms are very like tight knit, you know, there people kind of know each other. It's not like when you go into a mainstream gym and it's like strangers. So it can be a little bit harder to like speak up to when it's like someone that you know, or that you see every day. And, um, you know, it can be a lot to, to process and deal with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, uh, I mean, gym gym culture. I've been out of like the twenty four hour fitness type gyms for such a long time, but they're always just, they're just a little bit different. Um, but yeah, the, the, that's the nice thing about weights and gyms, or either even if they're in like a CrossFit, you can really take actionable steps to control the environment. Um, so that's a uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so you got the posters out there. What uh, what is your next step? You guys got anything lined up? Or are you just in like the think tank right now? Uh, not right now. Um, I hope we can soon. And it is exciting to see like more conversations happening, and you know, more gyms also reach out to USA Weightlifting and share. You know, I want more information on this, or I would like to know more about like preventative measures or as you were saying James like there are components that you kind of learn outside of safe sport um, when you're in a certain position right as an owner or as like a head coach um, so I think those would be kind of hopefully the next steps that we can put into place and also even have like a training that is outside of safe sport that's a little bit more expansive that kind of talks about 
um, the culture of consent that we want to create and also just addressing some of the harmful um, gender norms that people hear, like, you know, weights are for men or women's sports is not a viable career or, you know, like these myths that people hear like, oh, you're going to get bulky or look like a man. I always say that, like, I wish I could get muscles like that, but, um, you know, like women should be gentle or you're going to get hurt. Um, you know, these are all things that people hear. And there was a survey from Sported um, that found that 75% of girls had heard like negative statements about girls in sports. So, you know, when you're a young person, you're like a teenager and you hear these things, you want to just fit in, right, and be like everyone else. So when you hear stuff like weights are for men or this is not for you, like it can be really discouraging um, to hear that kind of commentary. So I, I, I don't know if Safe Sports covers like, all of those things, but to make sure that people aren't reinforcing those kinds of negative stories. And, you know, I even noticed at CrossFit gyms, like we have the RX, like men and women weights, right? And I, I've been doing CrossFit for a long time. I'm pretty strong. So occasionally I'll drop in and do a little Metcon or an AMRAP and I'm not going with the 35 pound dumbbells. I'm going with the RX men or RX plus. And that's because my body can do that. So um, you know, even being able to say, like, instead of saying men and women, just saying, like, whatever you're comfortable with. So there's a lot of women that I work out with, and I'm like, I know you can do more than 35-pound dumbbells, but because it's, like, RX women, they're like, you know, I'm just going to go with what's prescribed. So I think even shifting that and also recognizing that we, you know, not everyone identifies with man or woman. Like, there are people who are non-conforming or transgender and creating like that open space will also make the gym more welcoming for other athletes to come in. Yeah, I uh, well, I'm I won't get into the uh, the CrossFit and their their stuff because <laughs> I like weightlifting. Uh, but yeah, I guess I guess they do a good job about just getting reps in. But you know the uh, and just their generic like getting people in there to do the work and making it easy. But, uh, I agree with you that, uh, I, I don't like like preset weights. Like everyone has to do this weight. Um, just from I like a strength dealt with this, this morning, I, I coached two CrossFit classes this morning and the RX weight was 50 for men and 35 for women with a dumbbell snatch. And I looked at one of the girls and said, grab a 50. She was like, why? Said, because you're the strongest one in the class. That's why grab the 50. That's like, <laughs> That happened this morning at 8 a.m. Do CrossFit gyms just buy a bunch of 35-pound dumbbells and a bunch of 50-pound dumbbells? Yeah. Most most CrossFit gyms don't have, like, between weights. Um, really? When I was at Stacks, we had a bunch of 35s, 50s, and 70s, because 70s is men use that for a dumbbell snatch. But we didn't have a 45. We had rows of – and then you would have, like, the 20s for, like, newer people. But it was you'd have a bunch of 35s, a bunch of 50s, a bunch of 70s, and you would have nothing heavier. We don't have a dumbbell over 70. Wow. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I did a CrossFit workout once, and then I threw up. And, uh, <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't done them since. Um, although I have been going on the rower. Uh, I read one of Glenn's old blogs, mm. and uh, Glenn uh, did like... I don't know. He he kept like a 142 pace for 500 meters uh, for like 2000 meters. Um, and I've just gotten to like that pace. I think I did 137 for 500 and then I like laid down. Um, so I've been doing the rower. So that's kind of like CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll give you that. 
Yeah, but yeah. cardio or like that's CrossFit enough for me. Five reps is is too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that sounds like a weightlifter. Um, I saw something so, that really uh, made you cringe on Monday. They had a set of fifteen <laughs> touch and go power cleans for load. Oh my gosh! Monday, it was a set of fifteen, a set of twelve, and a set of nine. Had for to load, be touch so and like, go, heavy as possible. You had to do as heavy as you can. Like, what if you missed like the last rep? Do you start over? Like, have to attempt it again? You start Ooh. over. Um, my my class did not do that. The bars that CrossFit uses are not like Olympic bars. I, I just, I can't do that. Whenever I, if I ever do a Metcon, I'm like, I need an Olympic bar. I need the spin. Yeah. yeah. It's so much nicer. It's just like, it feels better in your elbows. It's uh... I never had a spin until my first meet. I walked out on the platform and I missed. No, I made my first mm-hmm. run and walked almost off the platform. I looked at my coach because it was 21 kilos below my snatch. So we opened light. He's like, why are you walking? What happened? I said, the bar's spinning. And he looked at me. I was like, what do you mean it's spinning? I was like, I <laughs> don't know where the bar is in space. He's like, well, was it heavy? I was like, no, I just don't know where it is. He's like, all right, let's add 10 kilos and see if you can find it. And I, did, I didn't. It happened again. Like, I just could not find the bar. It felt so light. And I was like, I, that was the first time I ever been on a bar that spun. It yeah, is I was going to say that and then the plate width. Sometimes the plates are super, super wide at CrossFit gyms compared to like a weightlifting gym. They make mm-hmm. you feel like a superhero, though, because they whip. Yeah, they will whip. <laughs> yeah. Well, those new Alico ones are uh, skinnier now. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have less and less whip. Um, and they're also ridiculously expensive. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we probably won't get a set of those. Yeah, no. Well, they look like they'll last a long time. But um, so, uh, so, Halima, what... Um, what uh do you uh compete in weightlifting too or just train or what's uh what's your weightlifting journey like yeah so last year was when i like kind of transitioned to only doing olympic weightlifting um and kind of really focusing on my technique and getting better at it and also like dipping my toes into competition so i've done like maybe four or five competitions i went to um Albuquerque for the uh, USA Open series so that was a really good experience and good exposure and I really like this sport because like it's just you on the platform so you know you either make it or you don't (laughs) and um, I just think that everyone is so supportive I know for my first competition there were like other people at my gym who were competing in the same weight category as me but they were like still helping me and like giving me advice and tips and I was like oh wow like I feel like in other sports you know if it's a competitor they're not going to be so inclined to like help you out or give you tips. So I just feel like it's a sport where there's a lot of um, integrity and a lot of merit where people are like, you know, you put in the work and what you do is what you do and no one's going to like be bitter about it or like try to sabotage you. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, even when I was in Albuquerque for the open, um, you know, you know, warming up in the back, you know, I was sharing a platform with another athlete and, you know, it was pretty packed back there uh, and they were really nice their coach was really nice and um, I just thought it, the camaraderie was was really nice to have in a space I used to be a soccer referee back in the day so I'm used to a lot of negativity and like you know throwing out coaches and like giving out those red cards and I was just like really impressed by um, you know the level of niceness and like sportsmanship in in this space yeah, some of those soccer stories are crazy. Um, <laughs> I hope but, I have them. 
Yeah. I will say that uh, I think actually me and George were in Albuquerque. Oh, that's when we got invaded by the U.S. Marshals. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, our neighbor's hotel room got invaded by the U.S. Marshals. What? And, yeah, they knocked down the door. Uh, and we were actually recording a podcast during that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they uh, they knocked down the door and uh, arrested this uh this guy and it was a it was an interesting time um but everything else about that competition that ran real smooth um but yeah uh <laughs> sorry that was that story that's why yeah that's still so wild i know i forgot about it until we talked about albuquerque yeah i was gonna say that was actually my first um national level meet myself really? nice I, I forgot about yeah. that yeah all right yeah yeah albuquerque um yeah, the uh, I lost my train of thought there. I had another topic that I was going to talk about. But then, um, the marshals threw you off. Yeah, that's getting me distracted again. Um, yeah. Oh, so a lot of people in the United States tend to be pretty nice, and that's cool. Um, sometimes when you get into international competition, some of the other countries are very cutthroat. Um, uh, so it, it changes a little bit because then, like, winning becomes – you know, more of a thing. Mm. Um, and the, and the way that they're cutthroat is like, um, what's that you guys were talking about it recently and about, um, it, it was, uh, what burning attempts. Salah no, and Rashami, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. my spirit animal. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, then who's the other guy from Cutter? Um, what's his Meso. name? Meso. Yeah. Meso. Um, yeah, they were like, intimidating each other in the back room I love so it. rastami I every love time it. meso would go up and take a lift rastami would go up and take the same lift like about at the same three time. feet away from him oh, and wow. then when right. meso would stand up rastami would stand up too so like they had some of that intimidation which you you normally don't see that um yeah it, it wasn't like aggressive but it was like getting there your... was some yep yeah, there was some getting in your head strategy going on there um which I do think that's okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, fighting with a referee, that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but like some strategy to like get into your competitor's head, at, like at the top level, I it's think fun. that can be pretty fun, a fun part of sport. Um, I mean, when you get to a very high level, you have to be mentally strong. I almost think like weightlifting is more of a mental game than anything else. Cause like, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm trying to snatch a certain weight and it's like, I know I can do it physically, but then there's some kind of block in my head or I'm overthinking it. Um, I used to have a coach that would tell me, like, if you're not confident, like, don't even bother stepping on the platform and wasting my time. Because, like, it is such a mental component. If you don't feel good about the lift or if you don't feel like you're going to do it, like, you're probably not. Um, so that's, you know, mm-hmm. getting in someone's head is a really good strategy. Yeah. I think, you know, what your coach just said there, like, there is a lot to that, to like not making an attempt at a lift that you think you're going to miss. Yeah. You just shouldn't even take it. I think that is a lesson that most people don't get. Uh, and that's when you start clarking lifts. You just mm. start deadlifting them up and then you miss it. And that is a terrible habit to get into. And that's exactly what it is. It's a habit. Mm. Um, yeah. So weightlifting is kind of interesting. I enjoy weightlifting. Um, on the, all the different aspects. Um, so that's one thing that, uh, 
is a little bit more prevalent in jujitsu that I've been messing around with is more of that mental uh, getting in with your competitor, which is uh, it's definitely more of a factor in jujitsu. Oh, it's pretty uh, intense. My brother is a Brazilian jujitsu athlete, and he recently had a competition um, two weeks ago. And uh, I was just watching people get choked out and dominated. And I was like, he's like, yeah, whoever gets dominated the most is like the person that loses. And, you know, I was like, okay, this is really intense. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's like a high consequence sport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I did tell him I would like to come and get a, a lesson from him because it looked a little bit fun, like other than the part where like you can get choked out, but it, it did look kind of fun. It's kind of like wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another, you know, well, we're coming to an end of this podcast, but, uh, you know, uh, women in wrestling is a whole nother, uh, topic that might be an interesting, uh, Interesting thing, because your uh, your nieces wrestle, don't they, George? I was gonna say I could get my niece on. She was a South Carolina state champ, what last year? Wow! So she went she went to regionals and a couple other big competitions wrestling. She, uh, she did pretty well in jujitsu too. She went to the Pan American Games that was in Los Angeles and won that in her uh, division. So she's pretty good with wrestling and jujitsu. So maybe we could get her on here. Yeah. I have yeah, one we'll talk girl about on the wrestling team here. There's there's one girl. And I asked her what weight class she was in, and she looks. She's like, she was next to her brothers, who are. She has two brothers on the wrestling team as well. She's like, I don't know. I have to wrestle one of my brothers because one of them's below me and one's above me, so I have to take one of their spots, and I don't care which one. And they just looked at each other like, well, we don't know. <laughs> I think she took the lighter one. I think she beat the lighter one, but they had to go head to head for her to take her brother's spot. It was so great. that was an example of you know trying to get in their head. Uh, <laughs> that sister knew how to get in her brother's head. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. That's the fun thing about those sports. But yeah, that uh, yeah, women's wrestling seems to start to be growing as well. So that'd be cool to see that kind of grow as well, as long as that stays in the, in the Olympics and hopefully weightlifting stays in the Olympics. Um, yeah, I hope so. I hope it stays. It would really suck if it was gone. Yeah, yeah, I know. Let's just keep uh, keep not taking drugs and hopefully we'll... <laughs> progress into you know making weightlifting stay but i uh, i think that's a good uh, good spot to end so thank you guys for listening um uh where yeah so now where uh, where can people find you halima if they want to get a hold of you or see those posters yeah so well you can find the posters at bars um at usa weightlifting and then um you can also find me on instagram it's just my name halima brucha um, I post a lot about different topics, uh, including stuff about sexual harassment and gender justice. Um, that's the work that I do full time. Uh, I do policy advocacy to address uh, gender based violence. So uh, folks can find me on Instagram. All right. And Tyree. I am Tyree underscore Thor on Instagram. And George. Find me at George81KG on Instagram or at the House of Weightlifting page. Yep, and check out House of Weightlifting at houseofweightlifting.com. I should have done the www. I feel like I sound like an old man when I say it that way, but <laughs> um, whatever. Well, uh, thanks for listening. All right.